Hello, this is the Lose Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kona Riley, and I'm very happy to be recording another podcast episode this week. Psalm Wednesday. Today is the first Psalm Wednesday. I'm so excited. So, if you don't know already, for the next, Lord willing, couple years, every single Wednesday, I will be going through a psalm. Not exactly a whole psalm every time, because some of the psalms get lengthy, but I will be exegeting parts of the psalms. I know today with Psalm 1, we're going through the whole of Psalm 1, and then Psalm 2, we'll go through all that, Psalm 3, we'll go through all that, 4, all that, and then probably all of 5, and for the first couple episodes, a dozen or so, we'll probably be going through the entirety of the psalms and not stopping in every which direction. But without hesitation, let us get started. So, If you have your Bibles in front of you, please open to Psalm 1. If you don't, then that's fine. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand at the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay. First off, throughout that whole psalm, first thing I want to take note of is the psalmist develops three contrasts that set apart the righteous from the wicked. Being, one, their way of life. Okay, the righteous person does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers and their delight is in the law of the Lord. So on the contrary, that means that the wicked person, the way they live their life is walking in step with the wicked, standing in the way that sinners take, sitting in the company of mockers and not delighting in the law of the Lord. Two is the life condition they experience. So in Psalm 1, 3, yeah, verse 3 here, we see that a righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water, but in verse 4, we see the wicked are like chaff. The third contrast that the psalmist makes is God's judgment on their different ways. So, as we see at the end of the psalm, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction, meaning the Lord blesses the righteous, curses the wicked. Now, starting at verse 1, now that we got those contrasts out of the way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Now, if you are walking in step with someone, you are deliberately going the way that they are going and not going anywhere else. I relate this passage to Matthew 7.13, which says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, Jesus is saying, do not take the wide road that leads to destruction, but take the narrow road that leads to life. Do not walk in step with the wicked, which are on the wide road, but take delight in the law of the Lord. Three things I like to see in this verse. One being enter. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This first word, enter, means we have choice. It means you choose what you want to do. Enter through here or don't enter through here. I don't know where you guys sit on the view of Calvinism, but personally, this word enter right here to me means choice. I am more of a free willer myself, so when he says enter, 
I see that as use your free will to choose whether you want to follow me or whether you want to follow the ways of the world. Second thing I like to point out, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Leads to destruction is a reference, I believe, to Psalm 1-6. I believe Jesus is per personally referencing Psalm 1-6. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That's the third thing. Only a few find it. What is the reason why only a few find it? Okay, in Psalm 1, we have blessed as the one who does all these things. But then we see that there are still people who do not do all these things, which in Psalm 1 is referred to as wicked. So if Jesus gives us the choice to enter through the narrow road that leads to life, and we, you know, the entirety of almost everybody knows that the way of the wicked leads to destruction, leads to hell, why is it that only a few find it? I believe, you know, th there's general answers, but coming out of scripture, I believe it's in James 1. And of course, I don't have my bookmark there, so I'm going to have to flip there. Okay. So, starting at James 1.13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Okay, verse 14 right there. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So I believe why only a few find it, why only a few choose to enter through where Jesus Christ preaches to enter to is because they are kept on that road, kept on the wide road by their evil desire. People enjoy being in their sin. Okay, People enjoy looking at pornography and having the ability to do that. They enjoy getting drunk. They enjoy having sex. They enjoy loving money. People enjoy sin. Okay, we were born into a sinful world and we have a sinful nature which we can overcome through Christ. But some people will choose not to do that and they will say, I enjoy this more than what I think Christ can provide me. So they will stay rooted in their sin. And they will not enter through the narrow gate. So they will not find it. They have the choice to find it. It's not very hard to find. But... Only a few will choose to find it. Now, to remember this passage, I go to Mark 1. Or, sorry, not Mark 1. John 1. And, of course, I don't have my bookmark there either. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's, he was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, meaning those who delighted in him, 
those who did not stand in the presence of, of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So, John 1, 1 through 12, that was. 13, sorry. I believe that shows that people who go on the narrow gate, go enter through the narrow gate, follow the light. That's just how I remember it. It, help, it makes it easier for me to understand, to picture two paths. One of them is complete darkness and leads to darkness. And one of them, which is much smaller than the previous, is light. And it leads to light. And that is what we must focus upon. Psalm 1 says that, Blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord, right? And meditates on it day and night. Not just reading the law of the Lord. No, meditating on it. Okay, that is your main focus. It's every thought on your mind is God and the joy he gives you in his word. So if you're on the narrow path, right, and this is the way I remember it, and you're going towards the light and the light is all you're seeing. The light is all you want. The light is what you're going towards. Now, James, where we just read out of, one thing I really like to take note of because I, it's it just so neat Starting at 15, it says, Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Which, again, references back to Psalm 1 and Matthew 7 that says, The way of the wicked leads to destruction, right? So it leads to death. 16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, the thing I really like, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Heavenly lights. So, we talked about John 1, where it says Jesus is the light of all mankind. And that light is the life of all mankind. And then here in James 1, it says the Father of heavenly lights. Which, there's a saying I once heard, and I believe these two verses affirm it. That Christianity is not a leap into darkness, but a step into the light. So, be the blessed one. The one who walks in the light, not the one who walks in the darkness. Continuing in Psalm verse 1, it says, Or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Now the words stand and sit... And their Hebrew definitions share one word, and that is remain. So, looking at these two words, knowing that they share in their Hebrew definitions the word remain, if we read it like that, with the word remain instead of their actual words, it's, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or remain in the way that sinners take, or remain in the company of mockers. Now, people say, Jesus ate with sinners too. Very popular said that he is he ate with tax collectors he was associated with sinners he was around them often people take note of that when they're trying to excuse themselves of their sin and I, you know if you are a christian you say i'm sorry i i just i can't be around this right now and they go oh come on even jesus ate with sinners see there's a difference stand and sit and their hebrew definitions share the word remain Jesus did not remain in the company of sinners. He did not remain seated next to mockers. 
He stayed upon the narrow path, being the light that he was for those who, was, who were following him. And using that light, he shined it upon the wide path without stepping upon it, meaning he never touched the way of sin. He was blemishless and spotless. He did not sit in the company of mockers or stand in the way that sinners take. Meaning, if he did not stand in the way that sinners take, then he is not on the wide path. What Jesus did was use his eternal and radiant light to shine his light so much that even those on the wide path could feel it. And many of them, as we see in the Gospels, many of the people, the tax collectors, like Zacchaeus, turn from their way of darkness, turn from the wide path, and enter through the narrow gate just as Jesus preaches for them to do. And they find it because of Christ's great light. Verse 2, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? Again, an atheist can read the Bible. Bill Nye, who I'm sure many of you know, popular scientist and popular atheist has, well, he self-proclaims that he's read the Bible two times. I don't have a reason to believe he lied about that exactly. So, Bill Nye says he's read the Bible two times. Does that mean Bill Nye has meditated on the law of the Lord? No, absolutely not. You cannot meditate on the law of the Lord without the Holy Spirit within you. I don't believe the Holy Spirit is within Bill Nye because he has not accepted Christ as his Savior. Sorry. He has not put his trust in Jesus Christ is what I meant to say. So, what's the difference between reading the Bible and meditating on the law of God every single, every every day and every night? Well, when God is your main focus and his joy that he gives you is your main focus... That is what it means to meditate on his law day and night, is to have all your thoughts be of him, his word, the joy he gives you, his love, to have him be your main focus. Just like in seven thirteen, Matthew 7, 13, if you're on the narrow road, all you're doing is looking at the light and you're running towards it. That is what this narrow road is, 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 is the road of light, not the road of darkness like the wide road. The narrow road I like to think of it in my mind. You know, it's so narrow that you can't turn left or right. All you do, all you can do is walk forward towards the light. Okay? Meaning not faltering, not stumbling left or right, but only going towards God. Verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, I live in Missouri. I don't know where all you other listeners live. I'm, I'm sure a big portion in Missouri. I don't believe anybody who listens is in a tropical location. Maybe. I'm not sure what the trees are like in Hawaii. If they go through a fall and winter season where they the leaves start to fall and then the tree becomes dormant with no leaves and, you know, just wood. But here in Missouri... Trees will go through seasons where the leaves will start to deteriorate in the fall, and then by winter, the wind has swept them all off the trees, because since they are not, how would you say, nourished by the tree, they fall off. They're no longer connected. 
and that is the seasons of which the trees go through. And then in the spring, they start to blossom again, and by summer, they are fully flourishing. Oh my goodness, they get so thick and so green. <sighs> so it says that if you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, right, and combining that with not walking in the step in step with the wicked, standing in the way that sinners take, or sitting in the company of mockers. So combining with not being around sin and participating in sin, right? I believe you can be around sin, but again, do not remain in sin, remain in being around sin. I do not believe the Bible teaches that. Of course, you have to associate with sinners to share the gospel. We are all sinners, though, so don't think of yourself as anything special. But do not remain in that company, if you can understand. Do not remain with people who continuously mock you. Preach the gospel, and that is your duty. Not to sit around and eat and drink and be merry with them. Of course, sometimes sharing the gospel comes through sharing a dinner and sharing time together. But sitting in the company of mockers, I believe, is a deeper meaning for choosing to take part in their sin. So, that person, if they don't do those things and meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, a tree needs, wa a tree needs water. So, already being planted by streams of water, you are being deeply rooted and you'll grow in your faith, okay? Which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Take note to whose leaf does not wither. I went on about how the trees in Missouri are, mainly for this verse. Whose tree whose leaf does not wither means that this tree will not go through seasons that if they are continuously being nourished by the law of the Lord and continuously focusing on their joy in him and growing in their faith with him that person will not falter in their faith that person will not stumble in their faith that person will continuously grow stronger with the Lord so much so that even the symbolic representation as a of a Christian as a tree that tree will never wither that leaf those leaves will never wither they will continuously flourish like summer all year round but the verse not verse, some of the words that is before that says, which yields its fruit in season. So it says there's something of a season, but I believe the psalmist is saying, the one season you have if you do these things is the season of flourishing. So that means to me, which yields its fruit in season means, which always yields fruit. If your leaf does not wither and you're always in the season of flourishing, you are always yielding fruit. But you can only always yield fruit if you are always within the word of God. And if you are always not even looking at the path of darkness outside of, uh, you know, understanding the evangelism approach to it, as in not going towards it, but only going towards light, only seeing God and, and going towards him, then you will always yield fruit. Whatever they do prospers, it says. Now, I don't believe this prosperity means you'll have a million dollars. I'm a, I believe it means you'll have joy because it's cliche. I get it. But the richest men are the men who are joyful. Many people have said I'd rather be 
poor and happy than rich and depressed. And that is a very true statement. I believe everybody who says that means it. Because money cannot buy happiness. You know, in it can't take you out of depression either. So if you are rich and have depression, you are not prosperous. Money, if money can't even fix that problem for you, what is it to you, right? But if you are poor and happy, that is the life many people really all people I think would rather live is being happy. Now, so that's what I believe this prosperity that Psalm 1-3 talks about. Whatever they do prospers. I mean, I think it means in whatever they do, they will find joy and they will have joy because all they're doing is thinking about God and thinking about the word and thinking about Christ. And so through Christ, they will receive joy in all that they do, meaning whatever they do, they will prosper. Verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Okay? When I think of like chaff that the wind blows away, I think of a tumbleweed blowing through the the western countryside. It cannot be rooted to anything. It cannot stick onto anything. It is just being blown away by the wind continuously. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Now, verse 5. I've been thinking about this verse all week. You have no idea the mental toil that this work this this verse has put upon me i have asked many people some being pastors some being youth ministers some being brothers and sisters in the lord around me and many people have similar answers not everybody has the same answers i'll tell you what i think it could mean and then i will tell you what i think it personally means so what i personally think it means now, here's what it could mean. And not that I don't like this this assumption of what this verse could mean, but I just don't personally believe it. So here's what this could mean. When it refers to the judgment that the wicked will not stand in, when it refers to the judgment, it could mean God will judge people on earth. And the assembly of the righteous is just all the people that God doesn't you know, punish for their wicked ways and those who take delight in him. But you say, Cohen, obviously when it says the judgment and the assembly of the righteous, it means post-death. It means the afterlife. It means the judgment as in the end of the world and when we are getting judged. And the assembly of the righteous is those who are gathered by Christ to his side at the end of time. And I say, yes, that could be but the reason why I'm not 100% convinced it is, is because if you read through the whole, te- whole Old Testament, very, very little do they talk about death, okay? As opposed to the New Testament. And when I mean death, I mean the afterlife. In the New Testament, it seems like every single book, almost every other verse of the New Testament talks about heaven or hell. This life or the next. In the Old Testament, it's much, much different. When they talk about the afterlife, they talk about it as if it's non-existent almost. They use words like Sheol, which means land of the dead, or Hades, which again, land of the dead. Some people even call it, you know, the land of the dead. And, and in the Old Testament, when the word hell is used, it is almost always translated as just death. I believe in the Old Testament, God had not yet revealed to his people what death was afterwards. And why do I believe that? Look at the cultures 
around the Israelites, okay? Egyptians, the Greeks, pagan cultures. Not only are the Israelites that we see in the Old Testament very susceptible to the to pagan cultures, but we see that all the cultures around them, many, almost all of the cultures are afterlife based, meaning they do this for a good afterlife. They do that, so this so they don't have to have a bad afterlife. I believe God had not yet revealed the what the afterlife, heaven or hell, was to the Jewish people so that they would not focus on the afterlife, but instead delight in God while they're on this earth. So I believe God was trying to train up his servants, train up his children to love him instead of love the afterlife. And you say, well, if that's what you believe, then why do you not think that that's what happened in this psalm? Why do you think that this psalm is about post-death? And I'd have to say, I don't know. I just, I just think that it, that maybe God had revealed what the afterlife was like to this psalmist. It's just kind of a personal belief of mine. And I know the psalms are filled with Sheol and land of the dead and and talking, you know, not really about heaven in a way or hell, but just the land of the dead. I know that the psalms are filled with that. So you say, you know, why would this one be any different? And I don't know. I just, it's just what I believe. I, I think that maybe God had revealed it to some of his children and to some he did not. Also, in verse 5, you know, if we go back, back to Matthew 7 and we go to 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it has it, it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus compares the wicked and the righteous as one who builds their house on firm foundation, Solid foundation, one who builds it on sand, while Psalm 1 relates them as a tree and as chaff. With both examples, when the wind comes through, it doesn't knock down a, an entire tree, let alone a tree planted by streams of water. But when the wind does come through, it will blow away chaff, you know, like a tumbleweed, it will blow that away. When the wind comes through, it will knock down a house built on sand, but it will not knock down a house built on firm foundation. So why will the wicked not stand in the judgment? Because they don't have a firm foundation. In Matthew 7.24, that's also part of why I believe this, is because I believe Jesus is not only talking about, yes, the world and the way that the righteous will have great joy that will not be taken from them, but post-death, their defense will be solid. They will say, Jesus, I'm covered with his blood. That is why I'm innocent. Though I have sinned, I am covered with Christ's blood. And that is their defense, and their defense is solid. But the wicked, they will say, well, I was a good person. And then God will say, no, you weren't. You sinned. Even Luke, I think it's chapter 17, says, no, you're not a good person. Nobody is a good person. 
Verse 6, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I like this verse a lot because it demonstrates the special love that God has for us as his children. And when I mean children, I don't mean created beings. I mean like what Psalm, or sorry, not Psalm, John 1 says when we read it in verse 13, it says, but but Christ allowed them to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but children born of God. That is what I believe this means. God has a special relationship with us as his children as opposed to everybody else, right? He loves everybody he has created. Yes, I believe that is true. I believe that is what the Bible teaches. But Psalm 1-6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, I believe this demonstrates a special relationship that the Lord has with those who love him. And that's special to me. But as we see, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So, we see that the Lord has a special relationship with those who love him, but with those who do not. You know, with those who do, we will be greeted with heaven when we die. But those who do not will be greeted with hell, and their way leads to destruction. Knowing this, brothers and sisters, it is so important that we share the gospel. We know that if someone is caught in sin when they die... As in, they die in their sin and they do not have faith in Jesus Christ that they will perish in hell. Knowing this, how can we not share the gospel, brothers and sisters? Knowing that we have eternal joy in Christ Jesus. And even on this earth, this psalm, Psalm Psalm 1-3 says, Whatever we do will prosper. And I believe that prosperity comes from joy, knowing that we have this great joy given to us from God. How can we not share the gospel? Share the gospel, brothers and sisters. I know some of you may be thinking, I should have shared the gospel that one time I met that person. I should have shared the gospel that one opportunity I had with that one friend. If you are thinking about somebody in your mind right now who you have not shared the gospel with, do it. You might say, oh, I don't want to ruin our friendship. Which is worse? You to ruin your friendship with that person or for them to suffer in hell? Hmm? Not only that, but if you don't want to look at that side of it, it will be accredited to you as righteousness. It is a good work for our Lord. We are serving our Lord as we are looking ahead in the narrow path We should desire to serve him, for he gives us great joy, and in serving him we can have great joy. Brothers and sisters, yes, you may have a friend that after you share the gospel with them, they don't want to be around you anymore. Believe me, I've been there. But the joy of being persecuted for the faith, to the point that people don't want to be around you, it might sound ridiculous, but that joy is great. Serving our Lord comes with great joy and we can find that joy within sharing the gospel so brothers and sisters please share the gospel okay that's all of psalm one so that's all i have here for psalm wednesday now my favorite part of the show let's do some bible trivia okay where were we oh yes here it is So, 
last last week's question was what arrow carrying case did the psalmist liken to a man with many sons again what arrow carrying case did the psalmist liken to a man with many sons if you went to psalm 127 verses 4 and 5 you would see that the answer to that is a quiver which there's not many arrow carrying cases so even if you hadn't read it you could have guessed that but it's whatever this week's question or this episode's i should say What kind of bird did God miraculously provide for the Israelites who had grown tired of manna? Ooh. Oh, yeah, I know. I know this one. What kind of bird did God miraculously provide for the Israelites who had grown tired of manna? If you do not know the answer, go to Numbers 11, 31 and 32. Again, Numbers 11, 31 and 32, and that is where your answer will be. So... Brothers and sisters, please open up your Bible, even if it's for Bible trivia, open it up, and then do some reading. You should stay there. Read your Bible every single day, as Psalm 1 teaches. Brothers and sisters, remember to lose your life to follow Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lose Your Life podcast.